Welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted Nelson Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. My special guest today is Sheila Zelinsky. You've heard me promote her many times on the show. She's been a frequent guest on the show, so I want to invite Sheila. Sheila, thanks so much for being with us today. Melissa and Ted, it's my pleasure to be back on the program. Circus, ridiculous, Caligula-level craziness. It is at an all-time high, Ted. we got to come up with another name for insanity because that doesn't scratch the surface. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sheila, I'll be honest with you. I was in Washington, D.C. this past weekend, and I saw things there that I never knew existed. I saw groups of people and transgender people and lesbians and gays and guys walking around with metal helmets wearing masks in basically stormtroop fashion who were Antifa, who were supposed to be you know, pro- protesting against the Nazis who themselves were acting worse than any person I've ever seen who claimed to be a Nazi. I interviewed a bunch of the Antifa people. I talked to a bunch of them, the people that were there protesting, and I just wanted their neutral as a reporter to speak to them because they put us all together. They weren't Supposedly, the neo-Nazis, the Nazis were there. So I started asking, you know, really kind of simple questions. I somebody was saying, "Well, the Nazis are here. The Nazis are here. We hate Nazis." And I'm like, "Okay, I got it. You you hate Nazis. I'm good." I said, "Where well, they were like 90, 95 years old. They got to be pretty doggone old if they're Nazis." <laughs> they, looked, they looked at me kind of. They they looked at me kind of funny. They said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, the Nazis are pretty much all dead." I said, "We're talking a long, long time ago." Uh, for Nazis. And I said, uh, it's just, uh, this is just absolutely weird to me that you hate Nazis. I said, I've never seen a Nazi. And I said, you guys seem to know where they are. I said, and so I want to see what a real Nazi looks like because they got to be like geriatric in a wheelchair. <laughs> and they looked at me kind of funny and they said, well, well, they want to be Nazis. I said, oh, I said, so these are wannabe Nazis. These are white supremacists. I said, what do they believe? And they said, well, they believe that white people are are better and i'm like oh did they say that well that's what they believe and i'm like okay i said so they're fascists is what you're saying is they said well yes they're fascists they're neo-nazi fascists and they want basically the government to control everything and i'm like oh is that what they believe i said have you have you heard the speakers say that they said well no but that's what we heard and that's what we believe and i'm like well why do you believe all this stuff and they said well because you know america has closed borders now because trump's a fascist and a nazi and i'm like so we should just let everybody in and they go yeah everybody should come in and i said and they should just give all everything away for free right that's right that's right everything should be for free and the problem was sheila these guys had the scent of blood in their nostrils and they were morons they didn't have any idea what they were talking about. They didn't have any idea who was a Nazi, who wasn't a Nazi, what a Nazi was, what a fascist was. They didn't have any idea. All they wanted was open borders and free everything. And I, and I, and I realized that I was introduced to a cross-section of Americana that I didn't even know existed until I saw these people. There were so many perverts, so many weirdos, and really, really, really angry people because they've been raised believing they should get everything for free, and, they have, and they're doing partisan – politics. I mean, it was so strange to be amongst them. They were so sick, so perverted, so hedonistic, so confused, so angry, so ignorant, a total product of social engineering existing through our Marxist indoctrination centers that we call schools, Sheila. They were completely and totally unprepared for the reality of the world and the consequences of their decisions. All they wanted was free everything. They want our stuff, your stuff, my stuff, Sheila, with absolutely no idea of what hard work is and how we got our stuff. If this is the future of our country, then we'll be the last generation of semi-free Americans or Canadians. And then last, then that night of the rally, I actually watched the news broadcast, and it was letting the guys speak who were the right-wing, supremacist, neo-Nazi, fascist, white guys, right? 
And I listened to them, and they, they, the local station in D.C. played the entire speech from the right-wing speakers, which is only about 30, 40 minutes long. And here's the irony. The right-wing speaker, who was the neo-Nazi fascist, looked like a Baptist preacher. He was dressed in a coat and a tie. He had no tattoos, no swastikas. He spoke clearly about open immigration policies and its detrimental effects on the host nations. He was not a Nazi or a neo-Nazi or a nut. He actually made sense, Sheila. He was not a racist that I could tell. Sad that the left refuses open dialogue. I mean, see, that's what we have here is open dialogue. And, and the irony of this is this. They say they want our stuff. They told me that. And, and what was so funny about this is that you know they don't understand that when you get stuff, you've got to maintain stuff. That's why when you go into Section 8 housing, whether it's white or black or Hispanic, it doesn't make any difference. When you go into Section 8 housing, government-subsidized housing here in the United States, every time you go into this place, it's after four or five or six or seven or eight years after it was brand new, it looks like a ghetto. It looks like a dump because nobody maintains it. Nobody paints it. Nobody mows the yard. Uh, nobody fixes broken windows. Nobody even fixes potholes. I went to a Section 8 – I was in a place called – the Willows when I was in Tallahassee in graduate school at Florida State University like 40 years ago. And I went up there this past about, about six months ago because my son wanted to attend up there. We were trying to find an apartment place for him to live in. So I went to some of my old places that have now become Section 8 housing because they've been, they're in such bad condition. And Sheila, a few of them had potholes that were 18 inches deep in the parking lots. Wow. I mean, you literally could break an axle if you drove in. There were boards on the windows. ACs were broken. Front doors basically had you know crime scene tape across the front of them. I mean, it looked like something that you'd see in a, well, a ghetto. And the irony of all of this is that, see, when you have stuff, let's say, for instance, somebody blesses you and they give you a nice house and you have no idea how you got the house, but you get a nice house. Let's say you get a $200,000 house handed to you for free because you wanted somebody's stuff and you got it either through a lawsuit or a gift or whatever. Now you've got the stuff. Well, you don't realize that a 2,000-square-foot house is going to take like a four-ton air unit, heat cooler system, that if it breaks down, it's going to cost you around $10,000 to fix. You don't realize that you have to have homeowner's insurance in case the place burns down. Uh, you don't realize that it's going to have to be painted every three to four years because of the low quality of paints nowadays. And you have to have a new roof put on every 12 to 20 years, depending on the quality of shingles that's on the house. You don't realize that some of your double-pane windows may actually go bad and you're going to have to replace glass in them. And let's not forget the electrical wiring or the plumbing or the appliances and all the other things that have to be constantly maintained and replaced on a continual basis, making houses and the ownership of houses very expensive. The same thing goes with cars or anything. So I always tell people, you say you want a big home, huh? Okay. You know what it costs to maintain a big house? It's very expensive. And I said that and I've got friends who have big homes. They tell me they spend three to $5,000 a month, Sheila, on maintenance, on maintenance alone. And they say that's not even include the payments. That's just the maintenance and the insurance. So you're like, wow. Well, that's the problem with stuff. And the problem with these guys is, Sheila, they don't understand how we got stuff. They don't, they don't care about any of that. They simply want your stuff, and they don't want to work about it, work for it. That's why the trial attorneys have gone berserk nowadays, and they sue so many people for such inconspicuous nonsense. Uh, look, look at our buddy uh, you know, Doug Hagman. He's, on a, he's been in this massive lawsuit with this lady for years and years now. He spent so much money on it. Uh, because he said something or something was implied on one of the shows. I don't know the full story, but I'm not going to mention any names. I know better. And, and he's been dealing with this stuff for years now, and it's not going away anytime soon. Now, the irony of all of this is that you know we as American people need to ask our Congress if they're going to do anything that's going to be good for tort reform like they have over in England, and that if you sue somebody – 
in England and you're found to be in the wrong and you don't win the court case, you've got to pay all of their legal fees. And if that happened in the United States right now, Sheila, these trial attorneys that live like this and sue people constantly, they would all find out very, very quickly that they don't want to do that anymore simply because it's too expensive if they lose the case. So guys, it's one of those things that we have a lot of problems in the United States. The left which claims to be the socialists and the ones that are trying to bring peace to the United States and stand against the Nazis and the fascists, they're actually supporting groups that are worse than the groups they say they're going against, including No More America, No More America, No More USA. They, they're saying how they want the destruction of the country. They don't even want a USA any longer, Sheila, but yet they are protesting and saying they're marching for peace and they're marching against the white supremacists. None of it makes any sense. So like I said, I was up there for three days. I was up there Saturday, Sunday, we came back on Tuesday. And, uh, and also I was there a little bit on, Mon on Monday, so we came back on Tuesday. So I had, three, I, had, I had two full days there. And I was, again, shocked by the level of complete moronic attitudes that I saw with the Antifa groups and the people supporting Antifa. In fact, I even asked the D.C. police, I said, guys, why are you allowing these guys to wear masks? Why are they wearing basically steel helmets? Why are they trying to incite a riot? And why are they walking with steel pipes? I said, none of this is okay to me. These guys are there clearly to provoke violence. And sure enough, the cops had eggs thrown at them, had rocks thrown at them, were spit on. The police officers were by these guys that were supposed to be promoting peace. And the craziest thing about all of it, Sheila, the cops, they stayed there, and they were so cool. I will give the D.C. police force kudos on this. They did as good as I could have possibly imagined they could have done. They kept the Antifa people and the, quote, whites that were promoting basically closed borders. That's what they were promoting. You know, if you listen to their speeches as far as having people get vetted properly when they come through the gates – and they were keeping them apart by about 100 yards so that you couldn't even see the, quote, guy speaking. And all you heard were the people, the perverts, screaming and yelling, no USA, no USA, kill Donald Trump, kill Donald Trump, Donald Trump must die. Not all this garbage that I had to listen to. I mean, and these are the guys promoting peace. It reminded me of the jackboot thugs that Hitler brought with him when he took over power. Yeah, the SA became the SA in Germany. And so it's amazing to me, guys, that all of this stuff is going on in America today. And the very people that are telling us that they want peace and prosperity and open borders are the ones that are doing everything they possibly can to destroy the very fabric of this country and to destroy the country itself. Sheila, what do you think? Well, yeah, I'm in agreement. Uh, Hitler's jackboot thugs that you were just referring to, this is the brown shirts on steroids. I think Antifa is really the paramilitary wing of the Democratic Party, Ted. Look at the radical left escalating its violence across America. I mean, Ted, look at Chicago. The place is like a bloodbath war zone. Look at the south side of Chicago reporting this morning. And I'm not talking about bad, bad Leroy Brown either. I'm talking, well, we might be able to talk about bad, bad Barry Satoro. Didn't he ever improve Chicago? But the former weasel in chief, Teddy, sticks his head on on social media to talk about the promotion of this new slogan. It's been on HBO and a number of other similar pro-Obama items are being sold online. And you know what their moniker is? Make Obama president again. Excuse me while I throw up, Ted. I mean, are you kidding me? 
nobody wants Obama president again. I don't even believe the left wants that. I mean, he made too many bad choices, bad decisions. But what he did do, he went along with the Rothschild banking cartel as far as his decision-making abilities in their total tried and trying to do their total enslavement of the United States population, which is what this is all about. It's like right now we're seeing China coming against the United States and some talk show hosts are saying that China is running the world now and coming against us and doing all this. China has a Rothschild banking cartel that basically runs their central bank. China is another proxy of the Rothschild bank, just like we are. And that's the problem. That's what they always do. The Rothschilds and the central bankers, they never put their head into a noose with anybody else. They always do it separately. And so they make sure that they don't have their name out there owning everything. If if uh, if uh, if uh, if, uh, if what would, would be a good name? If Rob Rothschild, if you walked in and drove into a city, Sheila, and it was Rob Rothschild Plumbing, Rob Rob Rothschild Five and Ten, Rob Rothschild Movie Company, Rob Rothschild Grocery Store, Rob Rothschild Construction. If the guy owned the whole town, like they do in some cases, or the stock market at least, you'd start thinking, well, I kind of don't like this Rob Rothschild guy. Does anybody else get a chance at this? See, this is what they do. They always use a cutout or a proxy in order to go out and do this. And that's, of course, that's what you know what, what, what you know Obama is. And a lot of people, Sheila, believe that Trump, because of his involvement in organized crime with his casinos, may have been funded through the Rothschild banking cartel. In fact, there's some evidence to say that he was funded through some of the Rothschild investment institutions for some of the massive debt that he has. So, I mean, so the whole reality is this. We're dealing with a global system of enslavement that's using fiat money. Babylonian money magic to continue to enslave the masses and to continue to do what they're doing. And you, and you see this corruption through everything. Look at right now. Hundreds of priests have been abused more than a thousand children, according to the Pennsylvania Attorney General. Now, the, the problem is not even the fact that they did that, which is absolutely horrific that they did this. But they've looked through the research and the decades-long abuse of what's happening and the thing about it is <laughs> the cover-up was sophisticated about what they were doing and all the while shockingly church leadership kept records of the abuse and the cover-up i mean these documents from the, 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 the from the church its own secret archives formed the backbone of the investigation and this is you know what bothers me more than anything else like this Sheila, I was raised in a Lutheran church, which is very close to Catholicism, very close to Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox. This is the church that Martin Luther founded when he left Catholicism because he got tired of them selling indulgences, which were the get-out-of-hell-free cards is what they are. And, and he said and, – and basically these, these priests, when you're a young child and you see a priest come walking out and they're serving communion and they're in a leadership role and they got these black flowing gowns on or they're preaching from a pulpit that's 15 feet in the air – and they're held up by everybody in the parish or everybody in the church as being God's man in town and the person who we should follow and emulate. When these priests get these young children who believe these guys are like God's emissary and start talking to them and start convincing them <coughs> excuse me, to commit lewd and lascivious acts with them, these kids are so innocent – they don't even know these acts are lewd and lascivious, Sheila, and that's the sad part about all of this is that these kids are dragged into a ditch then by these parish priests and pedophiles who in some cases I believe, and I personally believe, this is what I've heard this from a Catholic people who have gone to Catholic churches and a former Catholic priest. He said over 50% of the priests in the Catholic church are gay. 
and they're pedophiles. Yeah. And this is a big problem the Catholic Church. They paid out billions of dollars now in fees, and and I think the truth be told with it, Sheila, because it's, it's devastated the memberships of the Catholic Churches in the United States. Truth be told, there's probably hundreds of thousands of children over the past 50 years that have been sexually abused by priests. If there's more than a thousand in one area here in Pennsylvania, absolutely nuts. But again, it shows the decadence in our society and what our young children are being subjected to in the name of these people who claim to be priests. Quite frankly, and I've said this before on my show, I'm saying on your show, our, our, our coordinated together show today. If you're a Catholic, and you're a God-fearing Catholic, and you're truly born again, and you've prayed the Apostles' Creed, and you've meant that in your heart when you've prayed it. I believe you're born again. I really do. Here's the thing. If you're really truly born again, and you know the Catholic Church is corrupt beyond belief, and they're one of the largest landholders in the world, their net worth is, who has, I have no idea, probably in the trillions of dollars. Why in the world are you continuing to support them with donations, and giving them parts of your estate when you die. I've got a friend of mine who's a financial planner in Lakeland. He was raised in a Catholic orphanage, and he feels beholden to the Catholic Church. And he has said that he's going to give, like he's worth huge amount. He's a huge, very successful financial planner. He's going to be giving millions and millions and millions of dollars away when he dies to the Catholic Church, Sheila. So my question is this to all of the listeners of the show today. If you really want to do something good with that money, Go find a local church that's not abusing and raping children and give it to that church that you know is preaching the true word of God. Find organizations that feed the homeless and give that money to them. Do whatever you can with that money to make a clear case impact with that money when you're gone and dead rather than giving it to a group of people that are a bunch of pedophiles and weirdos. What do you think about that, Sheila? It's tough to get through it. When you actually look at the 900-page grand jury report, it's based on records had from over six dioceses. It puts the real number of the child victims in the thousands. One group of priests is accused of producing child porn and using whips on children. I mean, it, it's rough to get through it. We're talking rinsing victims with holy water, making boys pose as Jesus. The depravity of over 300 priests who sexually assaulted thousands of children, Ted, I mean, this is what the Catholic Church covered up. Where else in the universe, Ted, is there this much depravity outside the Catholic Church? Well, other than Hollywood, I guess. These people are devils, Ted. And this really goes to paint the fact that we are in a spiritual war here. Well, no, it is. And here's the thing. You know, I've got a, you know, you know David Icke. I like a lot of the stuff David Icke puts out. Now, David Icke's not a Christian. David Icke basically is a New Ager. Now, I don't like that part of what he puts out because I think he's wrong on that because I believe if we take out the blood of Christ, we take out who Yeshua was and who Yahweh is and was and all these beings that we know that are basically still here today with us like the Holy through the Holy Spirit, and we understand that. If we take that out, you know, we basically leave only the evil behind. I mean, that's what we have left. <laughs> and what, what's interesting about this, though, David Icke is only familiar with the Catholic Church and the Church of England, which are both totally corrupt. And so to him, when he talks about the Church of England or the Catholic Church, and he talks about what they're doing and how they rape these children, he's absolutely right. And if that's the only exposure that I ever had to Christianity, Sheila, and I, did not, I would not understand the true power of the cross and what Jesus Christ did for us, if I didn't understand that as a Christian, if I had not heard that from other places and other churches, I would feel the same way about Christianity if all I had to do is base it upon all of these children that are being raped by the priests. 
I, I, who wouldn't feel that way, Sheila? And that's the problem is the Catholic Church became completely and totally corrupt with over a thousand years of global rule and allowing everybody to do what they wanted to do in the Catholic Church, basically telling people if they read the Bible in Latin or in the Greek or in the Hebrew or whatever, they would be put to death. They, they wanted everybody ignorant and dumbed down so they wouldn't read the Word of God. They couldn't see what it said. Finally, Gutenberg started putting his press out, started printing up Bibles everywhere. Of course, the original Bibles were in Latin, and all of a sudden, people started reading them and passing them around. Martin Luther says, wait a minute, why are you telling people they can't read the Bible? Why are you saying if they read the Bible, you're going to kill them? This doesn't make any sense. Why are you selling get-out-of-hell-free cards, like we mentioned earlier, called indulgences, to your people that are wealthy in the church so they can get their relatives out of hell? Are you kidding me? That's how all those big cathedrals were built in Europe. But see, that's how corrupt organized religion becomes, because it becomes power-hungry, and it continues to do the things that it's done to elevate itself in a position of authority over the rest of us, including teaching people not to read or not letting them read and making everybody totally ignorant. So, thus saith the Lord. You don't know if thus saith the Lord is right. You can't read what it says anyhow, and so you've got to believe the priest. And that's that's the problem when you give this type of pe- this group of people. You know, if there's a movie out. There's a movie out. It's called uh, The Book of Eli with Denzel Washington. You may have seen it. Yeah. It's an R-rated movie. You got to watch it edited because it gets pretty violent. And what's interesting about this movie, like they had destroyed all Bibles in the movie, and this guy was looking for a Bible. Finally, this guy named Eli has a Bible, and he wants the Bible back because he wants to use it to control people with. He wants it as a control factor. He goes, because the words say it in the book, people will listen. It's going to allow me to control and build this group bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's exactly what, instead of, uh, instead of teaching people about the word of God and what God wants us to do and what our requirements are as humans and what the good, the bad, and the ugly is as far as what God wants us to do as far as what we should and shouldn't do, they weren't going to use it. They were going to use it as a control structure, which is exactly what the Catholic Church did with it for over a thousand years. I mean, look, look at the, look at look at what Constantine did. I mean, they took big, they took the Book of Enoch out of the Bible because they didn't think it belonged in there. And without the Book of Enoch, it's like a, it's it's like a it's like a it's like a it's like a, a key, an answer key. To, to allow people to understand what happened in Genesis chapter 6. And that's why the Ethiopian Bible still contains the book of Enoch. And see, people need to understand something, guys. The Word of God is written entirely, a lot of it is, 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 is a very figurative language, I should say, and we have to have an understanding of what's going on in the Bible, especially in Hebrew, from the original sources. And if we don't have that, if we're only using commentaries like the Schofield Bible, what ends up happening is we start believing the commentary as the Word of God instead of the actual Word of God. And this is what happens with a lot of people. It happened in, it happened in Judaism. When they developed the Talmud, when they when they wrote the Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud, in the sixth century, and they left the writings of the Torah, and they wrote the Zohar, and they and they and they started and they wrote the Kabbalah and all the things that they practiced, and they started doing all of these oral traditions, putting them down on paper, and saying this is an explanation of the Torah, and you need to learn all of this stuff because this is what you need to know. And then and Jesus himself said, because you've done this, you've nullified the word of God for the sake of your traditions. He told them that in the doggone New Testament. And see, this is what we have to all. All look at it and say, hey, that can't happen to us. Don't allow Bible commentaries to become real. You know, when 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 Samuel Untermeyer pushed the Schofield Bible 
into the doggone literary circles back around 1910, 1913, when he's blackmailing Woodrow Wilson on top of everything else, and he did all of this stuff. He's the one who forced these Bibles being printed through the Oxford Press, a Rothschild-controlled organization, into the seminaries into the United States, particularly the Southern Baptists, and then now after a hundred years of them using Schofield reference Bibles, they believe the commentary as much as they believe the Word of God. And Sheila, that's the problem that we run into. We should always go back to the original Greek or the original Hebrew to find out what the Word says, and then we can use an exhaustive concordance if we'd like to get an idea of what the words actually mean, rather than believing some guy's commentary, which in many cases is completely and totally inaccurate, especially with the case of Schofield. What do you think, Sheila? Well, don't get me started on Schofield. And and also, isn't it weird that I talked to an Orthodox Jewish rabbi himself, and he said, Torah, you don't really think we believe the first five books, do you? Most of the rabbis nowadays don't even, they don't even study the Torah. They study the Kabbalah. They study the Zohar. That's right. The Talmud. You know, and well, this I, is- I, I have spoken to so many Jewish folks, including priests, who don't read the Torah. They only read the, the other books that were written. I think there's like 37 volumes, and they study those. To them, in fact, I heard one guy say, it, it was interesting, I met him on a cruise ship, this is an interesting story, him and his wife, and his name was, he's a, he's a medical doctor, he's a cardiologist, his name was Gary, and they also owned a synagogue up in New York, and his wife had a travel agency, but they owned a synagogue, and then uh, he got up and started speaking at the wedding that we attended with him after we met him on a cruise, they invited us back to Thailand, we flew to Thailand for their stepdaughter's wedding, which I thought would be kind of interesting because I'd never been to Thailand. It was a great trip, but I wanted to see what Thailand was like. And so he was speaking at the wedding. Now, this is an interesting story. I, remember, this guy owns the synagogue. He preaches at the synagogue, but he's not a priest, but he owns it. He like he has like It's like a 5013C business that he has. And he said in the stories, he said while he was preaching, he goes, this is like the books of the Torah and the words of the Torah which are all fables and fantasies and stories which basically aren't true. That's what he said right from the doggone thing is the wedding. Now, this guy owns the doggone synagogue, and he's saying these are just stories and fables and fantasies that don't really exist. And I thought to myself, dude, dude, really? Is that how you believe? Well, that's because they don't study the Torah. They study the other books. Now, he didn't say that about the Zohar or about the Kabbalah or about you know the, the, uh, the Talmud. He didn't say anything about that, but he was talking about the Torah, and he was talking about how the story of Noah was just basically fantasy and didn't exist. And there's a hundred cultures around the world that talk about what happened with the Great Flood that wasn't just Jewish. It was all over the planet. And see what's so funny about all of this stuff, Sheila, is when you start digging into the research with this stuff, it starts making more sense as to what they believe, why they believe it, and why they do the things that they do. It's kind of crazy. Like, for instance, we know that American campus campuses now, college campuses, have become hate factories leading towards civil violence and martial law. You know, they have safe spaces on these college campuses. They have safe spaces where they basically say, hey, what we want to do is basically teach you the socialistic way, the Marxist way, the Lenin way. We want you to understand what true communism is and how wonderful it is. And if you're a capitalist here, you don't belong here. If you basically believe in Austrian economics, we don't want you here. You have to understand what Keynesian economics is and how it works and how we can manipulate that through the social welfare system. Uh, my son right now is in graduate school, and he's finding out the exact same thing. I mean, what's crazy about this is journalist Heather McDonald says – that Sarah Young, the anti-white, newly hired member of the New York Times editorial board, is noteworthy, not so much that she is a racist, but because she is a typical 
of uh, typical of the output of today's American academia. In other words, it would be surprising if she were not a racist. There's a multi-million dollar diversity bureaucracy on most college campuses that indoctrinates students from the moment they arrive to believe that whiteness is a source of evil in the world. Most people have no idea that government-funded colleges have become race-hate factories. This is an article by G. Edward Griffin, and you know he's absolutely right with that, Sheila. And this is what's going on right now in American campuses all over the place. Last summer, we were on an airplane coming back from Mykonos into Athens, Greece, and there was a girl on the plane – you know, she was basically she was a cheerleader at Clemson, and she was a pretty girl. I mean, she wasn't stunningly beautiful, but she was pretty and she was in good shape. She was a cheerleader, and we started talking about Donald Trump. And I said to her, she she goes, "Well, I hate Donald Trump." I said, "Why do you hate Donald Trump?" And she goes, "Because he's a racist and he's a fascist and he's a co- and he's and he's basically a Nazi pig." I said, "Okay." I said, "I'll let you say that, but now could you do me a favor? Can you explain to me why he is?" And Sheila, she looked at me with this blank look on her face. She goes, "What do you mean by that?" I said, can you explain to me why he's a racist, fascist, Nazi pig? I said, those are pretty strong statements for a 20-year-old to make about the president of the United States. Why is he a racist, fascist, Nazi pig? What has he done? And she started screaming and yelling at me. I thought she was going to hit me. And her mom had to, like, grab her and restrain her. And I looked at her mom, and she goes, she, her mom looked at me. She goes, I did not train her to talk like this. It would be like this. This is what she was taught on the college campuses. And, they, and, and Sheila, they can't answer the question. They didn't want to have a dialogue with me. They were just telling me what they believed with no idea of what they believed was true or not. But they had blood in their nostrils. They had smelled blood. They were, and they were very willing to start violence with me. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. So what I would do is every time they started saying something that was really radically far out, and I'd say something to them, and they start getting angry, I'd change the subject and basically change the topic and talk about something else that they could discuss and basically say things about. Guys, it's one of those things. We've got to learn that we've got to understand who we are, what we are, why we believe what we believe, and that's the, what has to be that way. You know, look at, the, look, look at Here's another article. Young Antifa protesters are asked about their political preferences. Now we know what they are taught in school. Here's what they say. Leftist protesters in Washington, D.C. were asked if they support a Marxist revolution, and their answers show that they have no deep understanding of political ideology, but instead have been massively exposed to Marxist slogans. These young people really are idealists. If we can reach out to them with truth, they will realize that they have been deceived, and many will become individualists and crusaders for true freedom and true human dignity. And I saw that too, Sheila. If I'd have had time to talk with those people and not had somebody walk up behind me and want to hit me with a dog on steel pipe wearing a black mask and a helmet, I'd have been in pretty good shape. But since there were about 6,000 people there that day protesting, I didn't want to be in a situation where I became a focal point <laughs> as far as people chasing me running around. Now, I have another friend of mine. She's got a, he's got a socialist wife who's from Colombia. And I mean, she's a hardcore socialist, hardcore communist, and she's from Colombia. And that's how they're raised down there. Now, what's interesting for this is that I, every time I bring up a comment to her, she gets incredibly angry to the point of being a joke. And so I just started yanking her chain a little bit. I started sending her texts, you know, about both sides of the var- of the variable. Okay, she got so angry because I was trying to make her think and not play partisan politics, Sheila, that she texted me a few weeks ago and told me that she wanted to receive no further texts from me. Period. And so I told her husband, who's a good friend of mine, I started laughing and I said, "Well, your wife says she won't have texts anymore. She you knows she believes all this crazy stuff." He goes, "Oh no, 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 no. She doesn't believe it all." And I, he's already told me multiple times, Sheila. 
Sheila that he won't even talk to her about because he's like a hardcore conservative that he won't even talk to her about it because all it does is create giant conflict. You see, you think you could talk to them and get them to change their mind, but if, if they're not going to be open minded, they're not going to be able to do anything. And what's funny is, is, you know, they've got a very successful business. They they have they earn a really good income. And the craziest thing about it is, I told her one time, I said, if you're such a hardcore Marxist, socialist, idealist, why are you not giving your money away to social causes? Why do you, you know, hoard cash, fly all over the world, spend all of this money in this lavish lifestyle that you have and not give it away to the poor? Why do you want to take everybody else's stuff, but you won't give your stuff? Same as Oprah Winfrey. This is how these people think. Here's another one. The mainstream media defends left-wing violence while Antifa calls for the downfall of America. While academic and media personalities clamor against white supremacy, which virtually is non-existent except in a pitifully small number, seldom larger than 15 or 20 demonstrators at public rallies or in huge mobs of crazed leftist demonstrators destroying property, assaulting police, and call for the end of America. Yet no one seems to think it is strange that the government does nothing about it. NBC News failed to report an assault, an assault on its own news staff by the leftists. Why? Because that would cast an unfavorable light on the left, which is the political alignment of NBC itself, communism. CNN has even gone as far to describe leftists calling for the torture and the murder of the president as anti-hate groups. Now think about it for a second. These guys are calling for the torture and the murder of President Trump, and they're being called anti-hate groups. What are they promoting love by promoting torture and murder? I mean, this is crazy. In fact, Tucker Carlson, if you guys want to watch something on Fox, did an excellent job describing this. And guys, this is what we have in the United States. We've become a product of Marxism, which, is, which was funded by the Rothschild banking cartel, to put a central bank into the Soviet Union to overthrow Tsar Nicholas and to take over that section of Europe and the Far East. He wanted to have the ability to control the money supply in Russia. Think about this for a second, friends. There's a, but there's a book out there that was written. It's called The Bad War. Now, I don't agree with everything in that book, but it's a pretty good book, and it talks about what happened in Germany, what happened in Russia, and what happened in England during the war. Doesn't it seem strange to anybody but to me, now, and I actually picked this up from that book, that when, Russia, when Germany invaded Poland, Russia also invaded Poland and took half of Poland. Germany took half of Poland. Germany took primarily, primarily the land that was taken away from it from the Versailles Treaty. Now, here's the irony of all of this. Both Poland had a, a basically a, a, a treaty, a basically, you know, a basically a, a pact with England that if it was attacked, that England declare war on the people attacking Poland. Germany and Russia both attacked Poland, but England only declared war on Germany and ignored that Russia owned half of Poland. Think through that with me for a second. How manipulated was that part of history? Why have you never been told that? Well, the reason you haven't been told that is because we have been told complete and total lies of what happened in a lot of the different areas in Germany, in Russia. I mean, Stalin killed almost 60 million people in his own country. And don't get me wrong, Hitler killed a bunch of people. There's no doubt about that. I have no doubt about that in my mind. But it wasn't anywhere near 60 million. But because he was our ally, shoot, they gave him half of Europe, Sheila, at the end of the war. Let him take it over. And I remember what Patton said. Patton said, we need to rearm the German troops and get rid of these doggone communists once and for all and have the German troops march with the American troops and push them all the way back to Moscow. Well, Patton didn't realize that the United States had funded the Soviet buildup and provided them the armaments and the tanks and all the raw materials they needed to do all of this and help to finance the war against the fascists. Why? Because 
because in 1938, Germany threw out the German Central Bank, which was the Rothschild controlled central bank, and started printing its own debt free currency. Oh, gosh, guys, nobody knew that either, did they? That's what happened in Europe. That's why you got to go back and you got to do the history, and you can't read the mental candy and the dribble they put out. You got to go back and look at the actual documents. That's why that book, I think, and again, I don't agree with the whole book. But it's a book that people can read. It's called The Bad War, and it was actually banned on Google. I mean, on Amazon. You can't even buy it on Amazon, but you can get it for free as a PDF. And why? And say, well, I'm not telling you I agree with everything in the book. Do your own research. What I'm saying is it points out different aspects of the war that we were never told, Sheila, never talked about. You know, my mom was in Germany during World War II. My mother was born in Germany in 1916, saw the rise and the fall of the Third Reich and the Weimar Republic, told me they used to spend 40 billion marks for a loaf of bread during the hyperinflation cycle that the Rothschild bankers did to Germany to steal all the wealth from the country. And she absolutely hated the international banking community the day she died because of what they had done. This is what they did to Germany, and people don't understand why in the world fascism or Nazism, or Hitler had such a strong foothold in Germany. It was because of the Versailles Treaty. It was because of the Balfour Declaration. It was because of the hyperinflation of the, of the Weimar Republic. It was because Germany had no war or no, no armament even being fought in Germany at the, when the armistice was signed at the end of World War. Germany, newsflash, Germany did not lose World War I. They signed an armistice, a ceasefire. And then what happened is after the troops were all pulled off their positions, the, the, the allies or people that were involved with the Versailles Treaty came in and put all these reprimands against Germany. And when Woodrow Wilson came over to have the United States Congress endorse this treaty, they refused to do it because they said this is going to cause World War II. You can't make the Germans – this was like in the trillions of dollars of the day's money they had to pay, and there was no way they could pay it back, especially since Germany didn't even start World War I. The whole thing's nuts. When you go back and you read the history books of what really happened back then, about 10% of what they tell us in the school system is true. The other 90% is obfuscation and just sometimes outright fabrication, Sheila. And it's sad to me that the American population has been so tricked and so duped into believing all this stuff. Because remember, it was the Russian communists financed by the Rothschild banking cartel who were involved in the overthrow of Tsar Nicholas, who are the same ones that did the same thing with the Versailles Treaty and took over Germany and pushed communism into Germany after World War I. This is what happened over in Europe. You've got to understand the history of what was going on in Europe at that time. And if you read Mein Kampf, which I have not read, I must admit, I can't, I've tried to read it twice. It's so unbelievably poorly written. I can't get through it. I guess I need to try to force myself one more time, Sheila. If you read the parts of Mein Kampf that I've read, it's com almost completely about communism and what the communists are doing to overthrow Europe. Now, what's crazy about the, the book is that it was an international bestseller. In Germany, you know, after Hitler had written it, and it gave the seeds to fascism and to the Third Reich. Because, guys, there's a point in time we all have to realize that the Rothschild banking cartel can't have everything. Okay, It can't be Bernie Rothschild owns everything. It can't be that. We've got to make people realize that as long as they have the right to produce fiat money, their funny money, their Babylonian money magic, and they're allowed to put that stuff out at a 41 on a 40 to 1 on a reserve requirement, which means if they have a million dollars in the bank, they can loan 40 million out of funny money on that one million dollars, which is the weirdest thing that's it's like a giant Ponzi scheme, she loves that's legal for these guys. That until we stop their ability to do that, until we nationalize the Federal Reserve Bank, 
and take their rights away to produce all this funny money and to bribe Congress with the money and do all of those special projects. Until we stop that, we will never have the America back that we had prior to 1913. Sheila, what do you think? And look what's going on in Europe right now. I mean, you've got the mainstream media outlets. They won't report any of these massive gang violence, these eruptions all over Europe. Oh, we don't want to talk about that narrative. They're quietly glossing over the common thread in the attacks. You know, these extremists with ties to Northern Africa, waging war. You don't hear about that from the media or the respecting governments. Why is the left covering up the escalating violence across even America? You look at the, the press today, Ted, is a is a weaponized propaganda arm of the Democratic Party. Well, look at what's going on with Alex Jones. I mean, if Orwell were alive today, Ted, his draft pick to portray Big Brother, it would be Google. The Googles, the Apples, the YouTubes, the Facebook, the Twitter, and all these other tech giants. Ted, they're engaged in the most criminal, malicious, racketeering, and tyrannical agenda imaginable. So while the chaos is ensuing, you'd think the church would rise up and really be praying against all these demonic agendas and doctrines of devils. No, they're doing yoga in Potter's house. That's the headline today. What planet are we living in, Ted? Well, no, the whole thing is stay away from yoga as a Christian. You're, you're right, Sheila. It's like, it's like, well, remember, the communists control the media in the United States. There's a really good, if you go to, if you go online, Myron Fagan, who, by the way, was at the Versailles oh, Treaty, that's a good who, was a, who was a playwright who in Hollywood, and he's, he was a Jewish man who finally, he saw the light and started rebelling against what was going on, and he started rebelling against the communist influence in Hollywood. Myron Fagan, you can watch it online on YouTube is like a two and a half hour video that's worth every penny of time you spend on it. And he talks about the Versailles Treaty and the Council on Foreign Relations and how they were formed. And then he has another one about the red cloud over Hollywood, which names names like Kirk Douglas, who were known communists and agitators at that time back in the 50s and the 60s. And he na- he names the names. He was the one who spearheaded the truth movement about what was going on in Hollywood and what was going on in the media. And that when the Rothschilds came in and they started buying all of their basically using their cutouts because they don't like their names on everything using their cutouts and buying all the major media in the united states and then by buying all the major radio in the united states then buying all the major tv stations of the united states buying all the major newspapers in the united states when they did that it was a wholesale takeover of the united states back in the 90s sheila i used to do up to 40 talk shows a week on health i would talk about the top 10 foods never to eat i would talk about how to lower blood pressure cholesterol triglycerides blood sugar without the use of drugs and I was a very sought-after guest. In fact, I got so large, I was brought onto the seminar circuit with the Peter Lowe organization on the success circuit. And I spoke to over a million people at live seminars talking about the top 10 foods never to eat and all the other topics that I just mentioned. Now, what was funny about all of this, about 1993, 1994, 1995, Bill Clinton's basically deregulated the FCC as far as the amount of stations that one individual entity could own in a given market. Before that was deregulated, if you were a broadcaster and your name was, you know, you know, Rothschild, you could come in and buy one station, but that's it. Okay, you couldn't buy more than that. And then you then you have all these other groups of people who would be buying all the other stations. So let's say you had 50 radio stations in a large market like New York. You could only own one station. And the reason it was done like that is they didn't want one group of people controlling the dissemination of the news via radio or TV, and you had had diversification in broadcast to prevent censorship. That's why they did it. 
that's what the, the people who when the when the when the radio first got started, they realized what a powerful medium it was, and they had to prevent censorship. And so it was great. All of these big big cities would have all of these talk shows that they would need guests for every single day. And I remember I went out, I, I bought an ad space one time in the radio TV interview report. It was back in the '90s, and we had over a hundred interviews scheduled off this one ad that we ran and I did the top 10 foods never to eat on all 100 shows. Now, what was interesting about this is I watched as Bill Clinton deregulated the industry as far as ownership and little by little, Clear Channel and a bunch of these other companies would come in and literally buy up almost every single major station, if not all the stations in a market, so they would own everything. And I watched myself go from up to 40 talk shows a week, independent broadcasters, down to 40 talk shows a year, a few years later, down to 10 talk shows a year, down to like no talk shows a year, and finally it infiltrated the Christian broadcasting medium, and they started blocking people coming in and talking about health because the top end of the Christian hierarchy, I'd be so careful what I say right now because I'm not going to mention any names, are controlled. They're told what they can and can't say, they can and can't put on the air. I can tell you names, dates, and places. You would be shocked, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to mention names like that. I'm just telling you I've experienced it personally, and that's what happened to the United States. Now we have this one beat of a drum that's promoting hatred, the left wing, in all of these different radio formats, all of the different TV formats, except for Fox, who, by the way, is also owned by a person who is probably Rothschild controlled. Just thought I'd mention that because they like to control both sides of the narrative to prevent the earth from going in any direction that they don't want it to go in. And this, I think Otto Kahn said that, who was one of the founding fathers of the Federal Reserve System and one of the bankers that worked with that system back in around 1927, years after it was implemented, that they controlled basically the earth by the axis and they could make it do anything they wanted to based upon the information they put out as far as the controlling the positive and the negative narrative. And the, this is what these guys do, Sheila. They control it all. So when they come in, we have alternative broadcasters saying, it's China, 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 China. It's not China. It's still the same Rothschild banking cartel that owns the central bank in China that's controlling the narrative from China. It's what they do. It's to create another boogeyman for us to say, oh, my God, the China people are doing this. The Russian people are doing this. Now, if there is truly something going on with Russia in China, and now perhaps Turkey or South Africa, which I don't think is this in chaos now, trying to create another world basket of currencies so they can avoid trading in petrodollars. That will be fine, but the reality is the vast majority of all the dollars traded are still in petrodollars, and they're going to have very little impact initially on the value of the dollar, which we now see. Remember, when China and Russia started putting their basket of currencies together and basing it on a gold wand and buying huge amounts of gold to back their currencies – what happened to the price of gold? It's collapsed, almost $300 an ounce now since they started that a few months ago. Now it's like $1,180 an ounce. It was like $1,400 an ounce. Why? Because they don't want the people to value their currency in gold because in 1933, Woodrow Wilson, not Woodrow Wilson, uh, FDR, with the formation of the Exchange Stability Fund, which, by the way, controls the United States as far as the finance. You need to do some research on that. There's a seven-part thing on the – I think it's five-part – five-part thing on the Exchange Stability Fund that everybody needs to watch on YouTube. When they took the gold away and basically put it into Fort Knox and then revalued the currency, put it on a gold standard, and they continued to siphon off the money from the gold standard to other countries all the way up until Nixon took us off the gold standard 40 years later – after the gold was gone. See, this is the problem that we have. They control the currency and they control the gold and they control the value of the gold through what they call naked shorts in the COMEX market. If they short gold 
to zero dollars an ounce all the way down, it forces the price down. If they put a billion dollar buy in at zero dollars an ounce or a thousand dollars an ounce or whatever, it'll drop and drop and drop and drop. And then they don't settle the contracts in gold or silver anymore, Sheila. They settle them in their fiat dollars. So they have an infinite ability to manipulate the precious metal prices. To as long as there's still a supply available. That's why if you try to buy large amounts of gold now, I've been told, I have not done this, it's very difficult to get those prices that they're quoting at the comics because it doesn't exist because of the premiums that are being charged. This is the problem that we have. Until we get this Rothschild vampire squid off the throat of America using their Federal Reserve Bank, it's never going to change. And these guys are Luciferians at heart. They want to take the United States and bring it into a new world order under Lucifer, and they want to have their Lucifer, their light bearer, basically turn around and run the planet. They want to bring their guy into the Holy of Holies and pierce him and have his blood shed and basically, uh, basically appoint him ruler of the world, which would be the Antichrist, and bring in hell on earth and bring in the doggone World War III and bring in all this death of revelation. This is what they want to do. These guys are a bunch of sickos. They're a bunch of doomsdayers that really want to force the doomsday button to be pushed. That's the problem we've got with these guys, and they believe it so strongly. So you may not believe this is what they believe. It doesn't matter. It's what they believe. In fact, if you look at there's a there's a videotape, a video you can watch it online. The Spear of Destiny. And at the end of the interview, they're talking to a guy. The Spear of Destiny was the spear that was thrust into Jesus' side when he was on the cross to assure that he was dead. And basically, it was said that if the if, a, if an army marched with the Spear of Destiny in front of it, that it could never be defeated. And Hitler stole it from the Austrian archives, and someone stole it from Hitler. And this guy was the one who stole it from Hitler, the, who was the boss of this one guy he was working with. And they met in a church. And he said these guys consider themselves to be the benign D Nephilim sons of the fallen. They trace their lineage back to Lucifer. And he goes, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or I believe it or we all think they're nuts. It's what they believe and they're willing to die for it and control world events. He says, these guys are so powerful, they could walk into the Oval Office of the United States of America without an appointment and see the president anytime they want. It's on the History Channel, Brad Metzler, the Spear of Destiny. You just said it. These people are Luciferians. They will stop at nothing to get their people in place. And, And that's why we see all these hacks like Look at Peter Strzok. I mean, citizens are actually funding his GoFundMe. This morning, I'm looking at it. It's half a million dollars to this demon that should be perp-walked at Gitmo, along with all these other devils. You look at this special counsel, Robert Mueller's Russia probe. I mean, come on, Ted. When does the witch hunt stop here? Well, no, this whole thing's just whole, it, it's all about obfuscation, Sheila. They're trying to prevent us from understanding what's coming in with the 5G network. I've done shows with you about that before. They're trying to prevent us from understanding they're putting a space fence up to control everything that we do and everything that we think. They're trying to bring it back to Genesis chapter 6 when every thought of every man was evil all of the time. They've already had this control grid up once. They used the pyramids to do it. Now we're starting to understand how the pyramids generate these giant electrical signals. Now we're starting to understand how they work. You know, when water moves at over 200 meters per second, it changes its structure pretty much and starts glowing bright blue. and creates this giant energy field around it. And this is what they had channeled through these pyramids in many cases and under the pyramids with the ley lines and they were able to use these things as giant, basically, uplinks. And they were able to control the energy fields around the planet. That's why the Bible says a veil has been put around the heart and the spirit of the unbeliever so they cannot see or know the truth. When you talk to these people who have been programmed like this to not see or to know the truth, you might as well talk to a wall. 
they don't get it. But remember, Sheila, the Bible says that light has come into the world, but the world has preferred the darkness. Why? Because that's human nature. That's what we do. I mean, we have a tendency to gravitate towards sin. That's why we needed God to come back as a savior for us and have his son come in and be sacrificed for us, if you understand what the scripture talks about in the book of Hebrews, to be a scapegoat, so to speak, to basically cover our sins for all eternity as an eternal priest. And see, this is the thing that people don't get. If we don't have a restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you know, we cannot be part of God because the energy fields, the frequencies of God and our energy fields are too different. When Jesus comes into us through the Holy Spirit, our energy field then begins to resonate with God Almighty, and we're able to step into the throne room and be part of the kingdom of God. People need to understand what that means through the blood of the Lamb. I've done entire shows on the blood of Christ before, and it's so important that people know who and what we are as Christians through Jesus Christ. See, this is what people don't understand. If you and I, Sheila, and all of us listening today on this show, or this evening on the show, whenever you're listening to it, if we don't stick together with this and we don't continue to call out who these people are, once they get their 5G network in place and they can start controlling brainwave patterns, it's not science fiction, it's real, they can start creating their own little robots to do everything they want to do. They're called, we'll turn us all into bio-robots, where every thought of every man was evil all the time. Genesis chapter 6. That's what they want. Jesus, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be upon my return, or upon the return of the Son of Man. He warned us that they were going to do this again, again, but they don't want you on the air. They don't want me on the air. I know this show is supposed to go live today on my broadcast, and they find out what we were going to talk about because you sent me an outline, and all of a sudden, Global Star, the power goes off to the entire studio is completely shut down. I mean, this is the kind of crap that we in alternative broadcasting are having to deal with because why? They don't want the information that I gave our audiences today, Sheila, and that you gave our audiences today to go out because they want to continue pushing their narrative so we don't start waking people up so people will stay brainwashed. It's the most amazing thing when I watch CNN, how everything's a lie, everything's twisted. They won't even talk about their own Antifa people and how unbelievably rude and crude they were towards the police and how they were shouting down with America and the USA. They won't talk about any of that. Because why? That's their goal. Their goal is to bring us into that new world order and to destroy the United States. And Trump has put a wrench in their plans. But as far as I'm concerned, he's doing the best he can being put into a situation of being in a giant Olympic swimming pool, swimming with great white sharks. And I hope he can get through another four years because we sure don't need the witch of Benghazi in the White House in two years. Sheila, what do you think? Listen, there's no political solution, Ted, for a spiritual problem. That's really what we're facing as Christians. It is time to really get in our prayer closets, do some fasting. Gee, when's the last time you heard somebody do a fast, Ted? Oh, Harvard study shows fasting is really beneficial. Well, duh, Ted, that's been in the Bible for a long time. So as we do this recap today, I think it's just really important. Get in your prayer closets today. Get in your word. And we just got to really be praying about this agenda. Like I said, we're 80, what, 82 days away from a, an election, Ted. And look at all the voter rigging the voter fraud, the George Soros controlled machines. It goes on and on. We're up against a lot. But guess what, Ted? The good news is that, you know what? As Christians, God gave us power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Luke 10, 19. We're not fighting flesh and blood, Ted. We're fighting against principalities and powers and rulers and mights and, and dominions and thrones. And I think that is really important. See, and what we need to understand with all of this stuff and this is so important that we all get this. Greater is he who is within us than he who is within the world. Amen. Because, guys, 
when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he allows us to be in covenant with him and to see things that we're supposed to see clearly as if a light has been turned on. So guys, I really ask all of you, if you're not saved, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord and you'll be saved. Guys, it's so important that we all work together through this and get this planet back on track, Sheila. Thanks so much for being with me today and and doing this combined show. And amen to what you just said, Ted. Salvation is the most important thing. All other roads are dead ends. I agree with that. Thanks so much for having me on, Ted. And guys, thank you so much for your support of Health Masters. Thank you so much for getting your mobile vitamins from us. Thank you for going to healthmasters.com. Thank you for being part of our family. I had the privilege and the honor of praying for you again this morning. So I want to want you guys to know that I I love you and I appreciate it because when you support alternative media, you support the truth and the truth will set us all free. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you.